Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. All right, good morning, Mission Church. For those of you that I have not had the privilege of meeting, my name is Ian, and uh, it, is, it is truly a blessing. I mean, it, one of the greatest blessings in my life is that God has allowed me the opportunity to preach, to share his word. It, it truly is a gift um, that, and, and just an honor that God would choose somebody as foolish as me to actually share his word with, with others. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to do it at my home church. Of Mission Church, so so thank you guys for uh, entertaining me, and thank you for to uh, uh, Tyler and everyone on staff for for calling me back. So that's a blessing and a gift, yeah. Um, and hey, congratulations! You're braving the storm out there, huh? I guess it's a little bit clearer today, but dude, it has been wild, huh? It's funny, right? Like California, apparently, like we're gonna get all kinds of snow, and the the, the conversation that always takes place immediately after is is. Well, we needed it, right? Like that's what everybody says in California. Well, we need it, right? That's what we always say. But then after, what I've noticed is after like maybe two days, like on day three, we're usually like, this is ridiculous. What is this? You know, like we're crying out to God. I mean, um, I've talked to other people in other states. They have it a lot worse, just so you guys know. Yeah, we got it pretty good. But anyhow, um, I had an experience this last week. Uh, I was, I was, so my car, my truck kind of broke down, and I was like, okay, I need to get, you know, obviously I need a vehicle, and my in-laws were out of town, but my in-laws lived just like three miles, two miles from my house, so um, I, they were out of town, but I called them, I was like, hey, can I borrow a car? I said, yes. Uh, long story short, I didn't have a ride to get there, and I was like, well, I could walk, you know what I mean? Um, but I had to like get there, get back, get the kids to school, get to work, the whole bit. So I was like, I don't really have time to walk, so, so I went ahead, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to ride my bike. That's what I'm going to do. Um, now, I'm not a bike guy. You know, I mean, I own a bike, but I'm not like a bike guy. Like, you know, I don't have like the spandex and the helmets and the whole bit. That's not my thing. If it's your thing, God bless you. It's just not my thing. And, and so, but I was like, I'm going to ride my bike. And, and, and I'm figuring like I can make real good time on this bike. You know, I mean, it's pretty flat, the road to my in-law's house, except for at the end, there's like one big hill and then you come down and there's kind of a, like a, not very steep, but a steady grade up. I was like, I can handle that. I mean, I may not look like much, but I'm in the gym. You know what I mean? Like on a regular basis. So I'm like, I'm like, I can handle this. This will be fine. So I get on my bike, right? And, and I'm not sprinting. You know, like you can sprint on a bike, but I'm like, I'm not going to sprint, but I'm at, I'm at an aggressive pace, okay? I'm moving. I'm like, I'm going to make good time here, right? And I'm thinking, this will be fine. I can handle the whole thing. No joke. I'm like halfway on down the, the, the road here, and, and it's still flat, and I am huffing and puffing. I am like, this is hard. I'm like, I need to ride my bike more. Like, this is really hard. And so, so I'm huffing, I'm puffing, I'm going, I'm trying to stay at my pace. You know, I'm like downshifting though to make the gears easier in the whole bit. And, uh, and I finally get to where the hill is. And you know how it is, like at first, because when I first started, I was like, that hill will be no problem, right? I'll take that hill. But now that I'm huffing and puffing, now you start to strategize how you're going to attack the hill. Right, so 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 I, you know, prior to the hill, I like I like shift to like a really hard gear, and I just pedal as hard as I can, get as much speed. I'm going up the hill, and then I immediately go all the way down to like the easiest gear. You know that gear, the gear where you're you're, you're pedaling like this fast, but your bike's going like this. You know, because because in my brain, right, my ego is fully engaged at this moment. In my brain, I'm like, I am not going to be the guy who gets off his bike and walks up the hill. I'm not going to be that guy. But it turns out I'm that guy. 
I had to get off my bike, embarrassing, as, as embarrassing it as it is to admit to you right now, I had to get off my bike and walk it up the hill. I mean, my legs were on fire. I was heaving. I mean, I was just like huffing and puffing the whole bit. Um, and then, but God was gracious to me. Nobody drove by. Nobody saw it. I didn't even really have to confess it to you now. But um, the, the reality is, is I made it up to the top of the hill and, and everything was fine. But in life, right, in life, we learn that there are a lot of things in life that require endurance. I mean, obviously, physical things can require endurance, right? I mean, if you want to be or if you've ever engaged in any way as an athlete, you know that, that endurance is part of that. Relationships require endurance. Our, our, our careers oftentimes re, uh, require endurance. Anything that's worth doing in life will oftentimes require endurance. And this is also true of the spiritual life. And so this brings us to our text today where Jesus is actually challenging us and inviting us to build endurance in our spiritual life, specifically in the life of prayer. If you have your Bible, you can open up with me to the the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read this in the ESV. Uh, Luke starts off with a little, a little uh, qualifier and then, and then goes into the rest of the text where Jesus is doing most of the talking. He says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Well, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he, he, will give them justice. he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Pray with me. Father, thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for the chance to dive into your word, Lord. We even thank you for the weather, God. We thank you for everything that you provide. God, we pray that in this moment you would open our hearts and our minds, help us to understand the words that you have spoken, and help us to understand, God, what it is that you are saying to us in this. We pray all this in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. And so we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at praying with endurance, praying with anticipation, and praying with conviction. The first is to pray with endurance, right? So, so, so the story begins, it's interesting because Jesus tells this parable, and if you're familiar with parables, right, like parables are always a short story with kind of a big point, like a main point, right? And we don't always get like an answer key to the parables, but Luke, is, as he's writing the gospel, gives us the answer to the parable right in the beginning. What does he say in verse 1? He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. If you have the NIV, it actually will say, always pray and not give up. And so in order to illustrate this, right, Jesus has this story that he tells. And there's two characters in the story. There's, um, there's, there's a judge and a widow. And really, both of these characters represent something significant. The judge represents power. He represents authority. But really, he represents power misused. He kind of represents authority gone wrong, right? Like you, you, you heard his words. Um, 
He was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. That means he basically has no moral compass. He doesn't care at all. And so he's a, he, he represents power misused. What's interesting, and we're going to see this more clearly as the text goes on, is, is sometimes in parables there's a character in there that might uh, cause us to think that it's meant to represent God. This, this, this judge, Jesus isn't trying to liken the judge to God. Jesus is actually going to contrast God against the judge's evil character or, or, or unrighteousness, right? Um, but, but this was a normal thing for judges in the Roman world. Roman judges had this reputation, right? And so when Jesus' hearers, when the disciples or whoever heard this parable heard the idea of sort of a, an unrighteous Roman judge, they would have gotten it automatically, right? It's sort of like if you, br- if you bring up the slowness and the painness of going to the DMV, right? Like everybody just gets it. You're like, oh yeah, the DMV, right? Like immediately, immediately these guys would have been like, oh yeah, the Roman judges. They were known for taking bribes. They were known for just being sort of scoundrels. And so, so Jesus uses this guy to, or uses this character because these are not, you know, these are not real people. They represent real people in the culture of that time. But this is a story that Jesus made up to illustrate something for us. So, but Jesus uses this character to illustrate something. And, and what happens is in the story is though the judge is basically a bad guy, he's basically a jerk. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't care about people. He eventually gives in to the woman, Right? But in, 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 in cons- being consistent with his character, he does it when it's convenient for him. He doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about God. So what does it say? It says, look, this lady's going to wear me out, right? It's not about her. It's not about justice. It's not about any of that. It's just about him. And what's interesting is that last line, right? Like verse 5, um, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Um, the NIV will actually, actually suggest that the judge was afraid that she was going to come attack him, right? This word in the Greek or the phrasing in the Greek is actually the language that it would have been used to talk about boxers kind of beating and bruising each other in the ancient world. So there's a literal sort of potential that Jesus was painting this picture that the judge was maybe afraid to get attacked by this lady, but it can also be used metaphorically, right? So either way, you can see the point that the judge is saying, like, either she's just going to drive me nuts or she's going to attack me, but I'm done with this. We'll finally give her what she wants. But what does the widow represent? The widow represents a certain weakness and even a desperation. Weakness and desperation. And, and, and whereas God is not being likened to the judge, he's being contrasted against the judge, we are actually being invited to sort of relate to the widow and identify with the widow in this text, Right? Um, and this idea of weakness and desperation, the idea that, that she would be sort of weak and in a desperate place socially, uh, this is also fairly normal. That would have also been a cultural image that Jesus' hearers would have understood immediately because widows in this day had a low place in society. They generally were poor. They didn't have a lot of economic opportunities. They didn't have a lot of social clout. And so she would have been literally in a position where she had no other options. And everybody would have understood that. And so as, as, as if you're kind of painting that picture, then what does the widow have left to do? She has nothing but her commitment to persistently ask, to keep going after what she wants, right? And again, like I said, we're being invited to relate to this widow. But here's the problem with that. Is we don't want to be weak and, 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 and desperate. 
right? I don't want, I don't, I don't want to be, appear, I don't want to appear as weak and desperate, right? That's why I didn't want to get off the bike, right? We don't want to be weak. And, and truth be told, rightly so, like, like, like nobody wants to appear as weak and desperate. And we put a lot of effort into not appearing weak and desperate. And some of it that's, is all right, right? Like, like we do things to, to strengthen our lives, and those are good things. Sometimes we just do superficial things to not appear weak and desperate, right? But, but we use the, the systems of this world and the things that we know how to try to appear strong and sometimes in control. But the reality is that there are some problems in life that just can't be solved by human will or human systems, There are just some things in life, and if you've lived any measure of life, you know this. There are just some things in life that we need other help for, right? And so then, it's at that moment, it's at that moment that we realize that, that yeah, maybe we do have some strength. Maybe we've got the good, we've got the built up 401k, or maybe we went to the right college, or, or maybe we're from the right family, we drive the right car, et cetera, et cetera. We, maybe we've got some relative strength in our lives. We start to realize that there is a certain weakness and a certain desperation at the core of humanity that can only be addressed by going to the Father. Yeah. And so then in that moment, we become like the widow. We, we, we become humble enough to acknowledge that we have no choice at all but to ask. We have no choice at all but to go to him. Which gets back to the purpose of the, of the whole thing, right? It gets back to verse 1. What did, what did Luke tell us was the purpose of the parable? He told them this to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That we ought to always pray and not give up. You see, this is an invitation that Jesus is giving us to a certain boldness in prayer. And that's what I want you to hear. Like like God invites you to approach him with a certain boldness, right? There's even an aggressiveness. I mean, this lady wasn't given up, right? That's the picture that Jesus is painting here, right? Like you can just keep coming, right? Like God's not inviting us to some awkward, sort of weak, passive prayer, God's not inviting us to be like, all right, you know, Lord, maybe if you have time, you know, if, you're, if, you're th- if you think about it, you know, maybe you could sort of address some of the things that I'm working on here. You know, like, like that's not the prayer life that God is calling you to. Jesus is inviting us in this text to a bold and even aggressive prayer. It's a prayer in which we boldly come to the living God and say, God, what about this? How come you haven't answered this? Right? It's, it, it's, it's, it's pursuing after God. I mean, in this moment, at the time that Jesus tells this story, he's not yet gone to the cross. Now, he knows he's going to the cross, but he's not yet been there. But we know that he goes to the cross. We know where he went, right? And, and, and we can ask ourselves, do we think that Jesus died on a cross so that we could pray passive and weak prayers? Do, do we think that, that God goes to the cross, solves all of humanity's most desperate problems, sin, death, the devil, right? Like, like he resolves all of it through his death and resurrection, right? And he does it, why? To tear the veil, to open up the doors so that we have full access to the Father. And if all of that is true, should we then approach, should we approach the living God just passively and weakly? No. No, 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 no. We should, we should take, take heed from this, this, this widow, this picture that Jesus paints in this parable to come after God boldly and aggressively. Yeah. Because prayer, 
Prayer really is, it is the work of the Christian life. It really is the labor of our spiritual lives. And don't get me wrong, we do a lot of things as, as believers, like as followers of Jesus, there's a lot of things that God has called us to, things that God has called us to do, right? We serve our, our we love our neighbors, we serve our church, uh, we, we, we manage our resources well, or at least we endeavor to, like we do all these things because we believe God has called us to them and they are important things, but I believe that prayer is actually at the heart of what it means to labor in the Christian life. It is the work of our faith. And there are some things that are only going to happen by prayer. There are some things that are only going to happen through prayer. There are things that are only going to happen in your life, in your transformation, in your sanctification, because you gave yourself to prayer. There are certain things that are only going to happen in this world because we labored in prayer for them. And, and sometimes I just wonder, what things have we missed because we haven't prayed? What blessings have we not gotten into because we haven't prayed, right? And, and what are the things we should be laboring for? Husbands, are you laboring for your, for your wives in prayer? Are you praying for your marriage? Fathers, are you praying for your children? Right? Are we praying for our communities? Are we praying for the brokenness in this world? Are we praying for wars that are taking place on the other side of the world? Like there are things that are happening right now that we should be putting before the Father. And so God calls us to pray with an endurance. He also calls us to pray with an anticipation. So, so, so switching from the parable now, Jesus then gives some commentary on the story. Starting in verse 6, And the Lord said... Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he long delay over them or delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. What's interesting in verse 6 is even though we are being asked to identify with the widow, Jesus points out the words of the judge. He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And what did, what did he say? Well, he said, as we already talked about, he said, look, I don't care about God. I don't care about people. I don't care about any of that. I have no moral compass. But this lady, she's bugging me. And in order to get, I'm going to give her justice so she doesn't either beat me down or wear me out. Right? And so then what happens? Right? This is, this is where we see Jesus not likening the judge to God, but actually contrasting the judge to God. Because this is where he says, okay, so here what the unjust judge says and will not God give justice to his elect? Right, if that guy, the guy who's basically a jerk, the guy who has no moral compass, if that guy will eventually provide justice, will not the God who loves you eventually not give you justice? That's the point that Jesus is making. And, and he uses a very important word in here. He says, and will not God give justice to his elect? That word elect, it, it literally means like chosen ones, those who are elected, those who have been picked out, right? And it's meant to be an affectionate term. It suggests favor. Here you are. Here we are, the people of God, crying out to God. And if this, you know, jerk of a judge over here, if he's going to do it, why wouldn't the God who loves you also hear and answer your prayers? Why wouldn't the God who saved you also hear and answer your prayers? That judge doesn't care, but God cares. And because of that, we can anticipate his response. And so in verse 7 and 8, Jesus gives us hope for that response. 
right? The end of verse seven, will he delay long over them? In verse eight, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Speedily. I looked up that word in the, in the Greek. It means quickly. It means speedily. It means fast, right? It doesn't mean anything else. It means quick, right? I was like, what does that word mean? It means quick. And so then what we see, though, and this is really important to understand, both as you endeavor to live a life of prayer, as you endeavor to labor in this, in the Christian life, and also as you endeavor to understand this text, there's this tension that's represented here. There's a tension in prayer, and it's actually explicit in the verses that we're reading this morning, but you might miss it because they're separated in terms of where they're ordered there. But the tension is between God promises to, to answer us. God promises to answer even speedily. And yet sometimes we find ourselves praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for the same thing. And, 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 and getting back to Luke's original point, enduring in prayer. Praying for the same thing over and over again and wondering what's going on. Praying for the same thing over and over again and, and wondering, does God hear us? Here's what I want you to know. Here's what, here's what I believe in the very depths of my soul is that, that God hears every prayer that you could ever utter. Right. Silently, out loud, whatever. Like God knows the very attitudes and thoughts of your heart. God hears our prayers. That is a biblical promise. How does he do it? I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like if all of us were praying at the same time, apparently he can hear all of us. If the whole world's praying at the same time, he can hear all of us. How does he do that? I have no idea. He's God. I'm not. He's smarter than me. He's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. The whole thing. But the reality is, is that I believe and know that God hears our prayers. <laughs> but there is this tension. There is this tension, Right? Jesus, uh, Luke sets the tone when he says that we have to always pray and not lose heart. He's saying in that text or in that verse, look, sometimes you're just going to pray and pray and pray. Sometimes you have to keep praying. Sometimes you have to labor in prayer. Sometimes you have to endure in prayer. And yet that, of course, Jesus says that it's going to happen speedily. And so then, then we find ourselves with this hope and this promise that we can anticipate a response. So yes, we believe that God hears us, and we believe that God is going to respond. Joe Little, actually, Joe preached, um, and Joe, Joe had a birthday yesterday, by the way. Happy birthday, Joe. <laughs> Joe preached uh, like three, three, four weeks ago and, and said it very well, right? And so I'm going I'm to quote Joe Little. Like, God always answers our prayers. He always answers our prayers with either yes, no, or not yet. And, and, and that, is, that is actually a very perfect way to summarize our biblical and theological understanding of how God responds to us in prayer. The problem with that, right, is it's easy when God says yes. Everybody's happy when God says yes, right? Like, like I've got kids. You know what I mean? I've got kids. I've, I've got a 16-year-old daughter who, who is just the joy of my life, and she, uh, she, um, she's, she's, she's never licensed yet, but she's working on it. She's thinking about cars, right? So we're, she's always asking me about cars, like what about this car, what about that car, right? And when your kids want something, you want to say yes, right? You do, you wanna say yes, right? And kids out there, I know you think your parents don't wanna say yes, I'm telling you right now that they do wanna say yes. They want the opportunity to bless you, right? I love it when the answer's yes, because I'm like super dad. When, I'm, when the answer's yes, I'm like, here we go, right? But the reality is, is that sometimes has to be, it has to be, sometimes the answer has to be no. And that's not comfortable. It's not fun. You know what I mean? That's when I'm not fun, dad. 
Sometimes the answer is, hey, maybe or maybe not right now. Right? And, and the same thing is true with God. Yeah, yes is fun. Yes is good. When God answers our prayers immediately, we're like, yes, thank you, Lord. That is so good. And let's be thankful. Truly, let's be thankful when God answers and answers quickly. I mean, when he answers any time, but when he answers quickly, let's respond with gratitude. But, but the problem is laboring in prayer in the no and not yet. That's the challenge, right? Because that doesn't always feel as good. It just doesn't feel as good. It would be nice I don't think it would be biblically accurate or or theologically appropriate, but it would be sort of nice if God would just give us this formula that we can do to always get to yes. You know what I mean? If he just said, yeah, you just pray these prayers. You know, you just say these words, right? And and maybe you do them in a certain like rhythm or a cadence, or you maybe even sing it. That'd be fun. You know, you just sing it, right? And maybe you do it in a certain posture. Maybe you do it at certain times of day or whatever. Like if you just do this formula, you know, sort of like you just take it out of the freezer, you read the instructions, you throw it in the oven, boom, out comes your answered prayer, right? That'd be nice on some level. But the problem is, is we're not approaching a genie in a magic lamp, Right? We're not, we're not approaching a genie who's just there to like answer all of our wishes. We are approaching the living God who stands sovereign over all of creation. Who, in his omniscience, is orchestrating the course of human history and the course of all of our little lives. And so when we come to that God, right, we have to understand that he sees a bigger picture. We have to understand. That's what my kids forget all the time. Look, I see the bigger picture, all right? And that's what I keep telling them. You don't see the bigger picture. I see the bigger picture. But nobody sees the picture as objectively as the, the, the author and perfecter and sustainer of all things. Nobody sees the picture as clearly as God sees, right? What does Romans say? We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love and who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God is doing something bigger, than some of the really weird things that you and I pray about, right? You'll, 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 you either know this, you either know this, or you will learn it. You'll either, you either know this or you'll learn it. You, at some point in your life, will be thankful that God didn't answer right. some of your prayers. Right. Right. You will be. But the reality is, is we're not approaching just some genie in a bottle. Because if he always says yes to us, what does that make him? It makes him our servant, not our master. And the Bible that I read does not show any indication that Jesus wants to switch spots with us. So it's not a formula, right? It's not a take it out of the freezer, follow the instructions, and you just get whatever you want, right? And and truth be told, it wouldn't be nice if it was that, because then God would no longer be God, and he would no longer be worthy of worship. It's not a formula, but what it is, is it's a call to endure in prayer and anticipate his response. It's a a call to endure in prayer, to always pray and not lose heart and believe that God hears you, wants to bless you, and is going to respond in perfect timing. Look, if we can trust that God can provide, can't we also trust that he knows when to provide? Right? Can't we do that? Um, there's a guy named Alexander McLaren who um, actually said something to the effect of that. Uh, I don't have it written down, but it's just kind of rattling around in my brain, so I might not get it perfectly. But, but he said something to the effect that, that God's delay in help, in other words, in answering our prayers, is often a feature of his provision. It's not a bug. It's a feature. God knows the timing. 
God knows the timing. And so we pray with endurance, we pray with anticipation, and the last thing is that God, or Jesus in this text, is asking us to pray with conviction. Jesus ends this teaching with a question, and it's a question that almost catches you off guard. It, it feels almost out of place when you first read it. He says in, in, in sort of the second half of verse 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That word faith in the text, it means, obviously it means faith, it means belief, it, 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 it even means conviction. What Jesus is saying is, is when I come, the Son of Man is, is, a, is a reference that Jesus would use to talk about himself. It, it has to do with Old Testament prophecy. When he says, when I come, am I going to find faith on the earth? In other words, am I going to find you laboring in prayer? Am I going to find you enduring in prayer and anticipating God's response? Or am I going to find you, you know, streaming Netflix or, 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 or swiping, swiping up and down on your, on your, uh, your Instagram, right? Like, 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 what is God going to find? Because here's the thing, right? Like, when we get to the place of weak and desperate, we go somewhere with that. Yeah. We do. That's good. We go somewhere with that. When we get to that bottom place... We go somewhere with it. We can go to materialism. We can go to our money. We can go to sex. We can go to all kinds of funky things in this world. Jesus is saying, hey, when I come, will I find you laboring in prayer? Will I find faith? See that word faith, right? It means faith, belief, conviction. Uh, sometimes we use, mistakenly, by the way, but sometimes we use words like faith and belief very passively. Like, yeah, I have faith, or I, I believe. You know what I mean? Um, that's not really what those words mean in Scripture, but that's how we use them. Right? A lot of people talk about belief in God or faith in God, but it doesn't seem to have any real effect on the way they live their lives. But that word conviction, that's a strong word. I don't know that we're getting around the word conviction. Nobody throws around the word conviction lightly. You know what I mean? Because conviction requires something. Conviction implies something. Conviction leads to something. When I believe sort of, you know, loosely about something, that might be one thing. But when I have conviction about something, my life's going to change. My behavior is going to change. And this is when we see that prayer is more than just some religious activity that you think you might participate in once in a while. Prayer is a lifestyle. Again, what we already said, prayer is the labor and the work of the Christian life. Prayer is a lifestyle. We live lives of prayer, or should I say we are invited to live lives of prayer. So for Jesus, the question, and I really believe this, the question that Jesus is posing, it isn't whether or not God intends to answer prayer. That, that's, that's our question, let's be honest. Like we, we have that question sometimes, Right? when we're laboring and enduring in prayer. But the question for Jesus isn't whether or not God intends to answer prayer, but whether or not we have the conviction to always pray and not lose heart. That's the question that Jesus is asking. And, and let's just be honest, we're all in different places with prayer. I mean, I mean, some of you are like, you guys are like prayer experts. You are the prayer war, you are prayer ninjas of the church, right? Like you are going after it in prayer. You are holding it down on behalf of the church. And, and, and thank you for that. I mean that genuinely from the bottom of my heart. And, and then there is a lot of respect for you 
Those of you who continuously labor in prayer on behalf of your community, your loved ones, your own life, um, it is an amazing thing. But, but a lot of us don't feel like prayer experts, right? Some of us, we, we, we have seasons of prayer. I know I've had seasons of prayer, and I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that even the prayer ninjas in the house, they feel like they've had seasons of prayer as well, if you ask them. Um, they've, they've probably forgotten more about prayer than we'll ever know, but, but those folks, like, they, they, they'll, they'll testify that there can be seasons of prayer. And so you might just ask yourself, like, what season are you in right now? Are you in a season where you're praying diligently, where you're aggressively and boldly going after the Father? Are you in that season? Or maybe, maybe you're not in that season. Maybe you're in the season where your prayer life's been pretty shallow. Your time of prayer has been pretty weak. Maybe, maybe Sunday morning's the only time that you really pray, or, or maybe you say that quick prayer before dinner or before bed, but you're not really going after the Father in ways that you have in the past. I would just encourage you, no matter where you are, in that, you know, there's a, there's a pendulum there, right, swinging back and forth. And no matter where you are in the middle of that, I would just encourage you to consider Jesus' call to pray with endurance. I've had my, my own seasons of prayer, um, and, and I won't bore you with all of them, right, because there's a lot of them. But, but uh, I haven't always felt like I've been the best at prayer. Like, I've always been a guy who kind of prays. I've always taken those, that phrase, pray without ceasing, ceasing, as just being like, I'm going to pray through my day. So I've always been pretty good about that, right? Like, praying about different things, maybe praying in the car, maybe throwing up a little prayer here and there about different things that God has put before me, uh, praying to people when they come to mind, things like that. But, but sometimes I have struggled, truthfully, to get that time of concentrated prayer. That time where I am really pursuing after God. And I found myself um, in, in recent, like in, really in the recent years, struggling with that, right? So, so I would be like, you know, I really want to pray and read the word every day. And truth be told, sometimes it's easier for me to just read the word because it's like I can check that off my like little to-do list, you know, because it has a beginning and an end. So it's just like, boop, check, done that, right? Read the word. And so, so. But, you know, in the mornings, like, I have this rhythm of, like, I got to get, you know, I got to get my kids to school. I try to hit the gym. I got to walk the dog. I got to do all this stuff, right? And so for the longest time, I was really like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do all that stuff first thing in the morning. And then as soon as I get to the office, I'm going to pray and I'm going to read the word. And I probably was successful with that about 10% of the time. No joke. Because what happens? As soon as you get to work, things are happening, right? People are moving. Things are, people are talking to you. All kinds of crazy stuff happens. And so it's like, okay, so then in those days, I'd be like, oh, I'll do it at lunch. I'll do it at lunch. Almost never. Almost never did it at lunch. Almost never. And so I found myself in a season where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm praying. It's not like I'm not praying, but I know there's a deeper experience of prayer that I need to be, to be pursuing, and I'm having a hard time getting there. Um, Mission Church has this wonderful tradition I don't know if it's a tradition, but I just called it a tradition, so um, you guys could take that to your staff meeting maybe and say, maybe it's a tradition, I don't know. Uh, but we have this, this, this thing that we've done over and over again where for New Year's, right, we don't have church, and all the staff people are recorded sharing kind of their thoughts and their reflections and, and, and different things, either about the, the past year or things that they're seeing for the next year. Just so you know, I love this. I want it to be a tradition because I love this. It's one of my favorite things because I get to hear from all these different folks who are so wise and so godly, and it's just so much fun. Um, and this last year's, the one that Tyler taught on or, or talked about was on prayer. And so I was already kind of struggling with this and thinking about this a little bit in my own life, and, and Tyler taught on this. And, and if you haven't seen that, it's good. Go back and watch all that. Go watch all of them. It's fantastic. Um, but, but I was just like... I knew the moment, the moment that Tyler's was over with, 
I knew what God was saying to me about prayer. I knew right there in that moment. I knew God was saying prayer needs to be the absolute first thing that I do in the morning. And I've always struggled with that because I'm exhausted. You know, you wake up and you're groggy and you're like, I can barely see, you know, the whole bit. Like, like am I going to pray right now? Like, I used to get up and walk the dog because at least, like, my, my, my blood gets flowing and the whole bit. But, but I was like, forget all that. If I pray and I'm half asleep, I'm going to pray half asleep. And so now, all through 2024, that's been my commitment, that's been my battle, is to just keep on continuously, first thing in the morning, wake up, get on my knees before the Father and pour out whatever I need to pour out before Him. And I'm telling you, it's making a difference for me. I'm telling you right now, God is meeting me in that place. And my original goal was I was going to do like maybe like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then read the Word and then go walk the dog. I've been like losing track of time. I'm coming up and I'm like, whoa, it's 45 minutes. Now I have to go, right? I need to probably start getting up earlier because I've been kind of crunching into my workout time. So anyways, point being, you don't care about all those details, but the point being is, is that we have seasons of prayer. And what we need to do is take stock of that and say, hey, are we making space for the thing that God has called us to do? Are we, if this is so important, and it is, are we making space for this? Some of you might even be new to prayer. Some of you might be like, yeah, I haven't really done much prayer. I haven't really spent that much time trying to do any of this, and, and I wouldn't know where to start. I just wanna, I wanna simplify it for you, if that's where you're at. Even if maybe you've complicated prayer in some way, I wanna simplify it for you. Prayer at its core, it's just at the very basic level, is just having a conversation with God. It's just talking to God, talking with God. That's all it is, right? There's more to it down the road. As you pray, it's like going to the gym. The first day you just show up and you're just trying to figure it out. But down the road, you learn, you learn how to work out better. You'll learn how to pray better down the road. But at the core, it's just approaching the Father and having a conversation with Him. And He invites you to pray about everything and literally anything. And so if you don't know where to start, just start with all of that. Talk to him about your day. Talk to him about your experiences. Talk to him about your emotions, the good ones and the bad ones. It, it, honestly, especially the bad ones. Talk to him about all of it. Lay it before him. Talk to him about your joys, your victories, your hardships, your struggles, your goals, your fears, your insecurities. Bring it all to him. He wants to hear from you. He wants to help you walk through this. And trust me, he can handle it. Your darkest stuff, he can handle it. Even the things that you don't want to talk to God about, all this, you know, you know like, like that sin that you keep in the corner? You know what I mean? You got like your spiritual stuff that you're doing over here, and that's the stuff you show people, but the one thing that you don't want to talk about, you should bring that to him. Open the door on that one. Bring that to him. That's called confession, by the way. The Bible has a word for that. And, and that's when you will see transformation. That's when you will start to see healing. That's when you will start to see progress in some areas of your life that you haven't seen before. But God can handle it. C.S. Lewis said that we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Likely there was a, a Benedictine priest named John Chapton who said, pray as you can, not as you can't. Just come to him with who and what you are right now in this moment and just begin aggressively pursuing God. On behalf of yourself, on behalf of, on behalf of your family, on behalf of your community, on behalf of whatever is going on inside you, just start going after God. 
I'm just, uh, just last weekend, actually, I'm ending uh, a, a season of coaching. My younger daughter uh, plays in a, a basketball league called Upwards Basketball. It's like a faith-based um, uh, basketball league. So I coach that alongside uh, my, my good friend, Tyler Nunes, Coach Ty, if you know Coach Ty. Um, there you go. Yeah, Coach Ty. Um, and so we just finished coaching this. It's third and fourth grade uh, girls basketball. Um, the league is sometimes bigger and sometimes smaller, and so this year the league was so small that we literally had only one other team, and so we had to play the same team every week for eight weeks in a row. Um, and if you're wondering, oh, that sounds like it's not very fun, uh, it, 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 gets, it gets a little tiring at the end. Um, people get a little wiped out by that. But uh, it actually was a, it was a great year. We went six and two, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, I, yeah so we, we did good. We did good. I, lo- I actually loved my team. I loved my team this year. And uh, we had the first game that we lost. So we had won a bunch of games. We had never even been, been behind in a game, really. Like, we had won a bunch of games. And then there was, like, the, the fourth or fifth game. I can't even remember. But, but we are down at the half. We are down. This is the first time we've ever really trailed, right? I don't know. We're down by six or eight or ten points, something like that. And we go into the halftime. And the girls just, you know, they just seem sluggish. They're just looking pretty sad. And, and I'm like, girls, how are we doing, you know? And, and I got this one girl who's just the sweetest. But she's like, well, you know, I don't really care if we win. I don't care if we lose. I just don't really care either way. And, you know, this is like a recreational league. It's kind of an instructional, developmental type thing. So I'm not supposed to really, like, get upset about that stuff. But I, I, I judged her in my heart a little bit, you know. Like, I was like, eh, that's really not where we're going with this. But okay, I'm not going to say anything. But then there was this other girl. So I had this other girl on my team. And she truly was probably the best all-around player on the team. And, and she's sitting there with her arms crossed and, like, an angry, like, cranky look on her face. And I'm like, well, how are you feeling right now? And she's like, horrible. I'm like, okay, we can, I can work with this. You know what I mean? So I, I said, yeah. I said, losing's rough, right? And she's like, it's terrible. And I was like, yes, this is the, this is the one that God wants me to coach right here. And so... I said, all right, all right, look. And this is where you like, you know, you try to inspire the girls in the whole bed and like, all right, well, let's go out, you know, play. And, and truth be told, we lost that game. We lost that game. But the very next game, we had the same problem. We're down in the first half. And we go into halftime and the girls are looking a little sluggish. And I said, girls, right? This is where I put my, like, my Coach Lombardi hat on and I'm like, I'm gonna get all inspiring, right? Like, and if you've coached, you've said these exact same words that I'm gonna say right now, right? Like you get all, you get all amped up and I'm like, girls, if we're gonna win this game, it's because you choose to win this game, right? You get all, you do all that stuff, right? And and uh, so so we go out and we play um, six total segments, so three segments per half. And um, in the fourth segment, so the first segment of the second half, girls are still, we we're still losing, we we're still losing, but they're playing all right. And then all of a sudden, in the fifth segment, just as actually that one competitive girl and a couple other girls just started playing. They just started playing, right? And all of a sudden we come back and all of a sudden we hit the tying shot. And then for the rest of the game, it was like we would be ahead and then they would tie and then we would be ahead and then they would tie. And then we won the game by two points. If only those girls were here to hear you clap for them, they would love that. But why do I tell you that story? Because if you've ever been involved with sports, if you've been as an athlete, or if you've been involved with sports as a parent or a coach or any level, you know that sometimes playing from behind is just part of it, right? Playing from behind is just part of sports. And you know, you win some of those and you lose some of those. That's just the reality of the, of the game. That's the reality of competition. But here's what I realized in those moments is that 
If we give up mentally, if we give up in sports, I'm still talking about right now, but if we give up, then we lose the opportunity to see what would have happened. And we lose the opportunity to develop that grit and that character that it takes to persevere through this thing. And so this leads us to the point that I believe Jesus is making that if we stop praying, if we give up and stop praying, we lose the opportunity to know and see the thing that God would have done. If we stop praying, we'll never know what, have been, what would have been gained if we had continued to pray and had not lost heart. You see, this is what God is calling us to do. There's gonna be good days and there's gonna be bad days. There's gonna be days when you don't feel like praying and there's gonna be days when you wake up and you are just excited to go after the Father. There are gonna be days when you are wounded and beat down and discouraged. And Jesus is literally saying in every day, good or bad, what you have to do is just keep praying, right? It's like Dory from Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. Just pray, just keep praying. I didn't know I was gonna use a Dory illustration today, but I'm feeling real good about that. I'm feeling real good about that. Hey, look, at Mission Church, we pray a lot and we talk a lot about things like revival. We believe that God has a vision for the lives of our community. We, we, we believe that God has a bigger vision for people with addiction and, and all kinds of different challenges in the world around us. We believe that God has a vision for this region, right? But I don't think we see that. And I'm not the first person to say this. Tyler has said this, this has been said from this pulpit or this, this stage several times and will be said hundreds more, right? Is that I just don't think we get there without aggressive, bold, continuous, enduring prayer. I'd like to invite you to, to bow your heads and, and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and, and maybe you've never entered into that relationship with Jesus, and we've talked, Mike, Mike talked about it earlier. I, I've, I've brought it up here in this message as well. Maybe you didn't know what God had done for you on the cross. And maybe it's time for you, maybe it's time for you to, for the first time, receive and accept what God has done for you. The fact that he has died for your sins and invited you to new life. If you're here this morning and you would like to receive and experience that new life with every head bowed and eye closed, I'd just like to raise your hand. If you'd like to receive the new life that Jesus has for you, I just wanna invite you to raise your hand. I see that hand, God sees that hand. It's the best decision that you will ever make. I see that hand. We see those hands. God sees those hands. Thank you. Keep your eyes, your eyes closed, please. Heads bowed. But maybe you're here this morning and you've been in a season of dry prayer or maybe you've never really prayed much and you're ready to recommit that part of your, your faith. Maybe you're re ready to recommit that part of your life. Maybe you're ready to say, you know what? I need to pray. If that's you, we just wanna know who we're praying for and praying with. We just wanna see you raise your hands. If you're ready to recommit to that prayer life, we see those hands. We see those hands. God, we recognize, we recognize that we are weak. You told us not to lose heart because you know we get weak. You know sometimes we get tired. You know that sometimes we get halfway up the hill and wanna jump off our bike, Lord. I'm praying, Jesus, that you would give us the strength to endure. Lord, thank you for those who here this morning have accepted your word for them. 
thank you for those, Lord, who here this morning have realized, you know what, I haven't been praying and yet I need to pray. God, we know you hear us. We know you love us. We know you died for us. And now we ask God, give us the strength to keep praying. And as you hear our prayers, Lord, as you hear our prayers, Jesus, would you answer them in your perfect timing? Father, we pray all of this with an anticipation. We pray all of this with, with a certain conviction that you hear us and will continue on with us. And we pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.